welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Anna Lozinski and Mariah Knight. Anna is the author of Legally Innovative, a book that teaches you how to transform your mindset, professional relationships, and legal presence. And Marika is the founder of Cool Karma Collective, a modern school for mindfulness that teaches people how to achieve a greater sense of balance in their lives through mindfulness. Together, they co-founded The Mindful Lawyers, where they're coaching people in law to invest in themselves and to overcome the stresses of the job. With a 14-day mindful billable unit bootcamp and a four-week mastermind. So a very warm welcome both Anna and Marika. Hi Rob. Hello. Hi. Before we dive into both your amazing projects and experiences to date, we do have a customary icebreaker question here on the Legally Speaking podcast. So Anna, coming to you first, on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, how real would you rate the reality hit series Suits? Why has that stumped me? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Six. Six. Okay. And then Marika, what would you give it? I, they're just, they, they have too many good puns. I reckon it's a one or two. <laughs> one or two. Okay. So we'll balance that out and do the math. We'll give it somewhere in the middle between. Okay. So like a four-ish between the two of you and we'll move on a collective number, sub five, which what I expected it to be. So perhaps we can start with your, uh, your individual journeys um, at this point. So Anna, firstly, coming to you, can you talk us through, your career to this point and maybe where mindfulness entered your journey. Thanks, Rob. Absolutely happy to. So I started off my legal career in a major Australian law firm. So I started in M&A and then actually became an insolvency litigator. So commercial litigator first and then the subprime hit and I pivoted into being an insolvency litigator did that for a while, went on secondment in-house for a year at one of the big four banks here in Sydney, Australia. And then that really inspired me to want to pursue a career in-house. And so I came back to private practice for a little bit and then ultimately jumped out and have spent really the bulk of my career um, from sort of a, a legal counsel right up to an executive general counsel most recently. And then... Um, I guess being an early adopter of the great resignation, <laughs> I decided to leave my corporate career uh, at the end of 2020. And this year I really took my side hustle, which I launched in 2018 uh, and decided to turn it into a full-time gig. So I am now, um, I don't know, I have many titles. I'm a legal innovation consultant, um, but also act as a legal influencer and legal tech advisor. Uh, and then um, uh, also seeking to dabble in some freelance um, general counsel work. And then uh, most recently uh, have teamed up with Marika uh, and uh, launched a mindfulness business um, in the Mindful Lawyers, which I know we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and in terms of how mindfulness has fit into my legal career, I must say that in my first 10 years, Mindfulness didn't play a role uh, and it really wasn't until I was living in Shanghai on um, an international assignment from General Motors that the mindfulness piece uh, 
I noticed I really needed. And that was basically because I was completely out of my comfort zone and literally every single thing in my life was unfamiliar from the language, from um, any form of communication, the culture, just if you name it, every pocket. And and plus I was there alone um, and didn't really know anyone on the ground. So a fantastic opportunity. Um, But at the same time, I needed to ground. I felt really flighty up here and very much in my head. Um, and so I started with yoga. So I found this great local um, Bikram yoga um, studio once a week turned into three times a week, turned into five times a week. I must say then I probably went more for a physical um, class, um, but then it very much turned into, wow, this is actually fantastic for my mindset, for my nervous system, um, the way I react to things. Um, and then that really sparked a curiosity. And I would say other than one or two things, I have, um, I have had the privilege of attending many types of mindfulness, healing, spiritual type workshops. Um, and I'm still continuing to do that. And it's kind of, um, why I'm a work in progress because these practices and these workshops and these learnings and exposure to all these teachers teaches you a lot of things Um, But it doesn't make you perfect. It just makes you a little bit more aware and, you know, allows you to set an intention that you are turning up every day to be the best human you can possibly be. But at the end of the day, we're still human. Yeah, and I'm so pleased you mentioned that. Thank you for being so authentic and and open about your journey. And wow, I mean, you do so many amazing things. And, you know, I'm one of your biggest fans from the other side of the pond um, for everything you're doing in terms of also legal community building, not only in terms of all the other impressive work you've done in your career to date. So thank you for sharing that. So, Marika, coming to you, you know, tell us more about your journey. Well, I love it. Anna, if you're the early adopter, I must have been like the early, 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 early adopter of the Great Resignation because like I didn't have a long time in my legal career, <laughs> to be honest, um, like a very short amount of time. But I did, you know, obviously, um, you know, end up in a, in a mid-tier law firm in, in, um, in Melbourne and I'd already started um, using tools of mindfulness and yoga just to manage my very A-type perfectionist structure you know, anxious brain Um, and then, you know, found myself in commercial litigation and was really utilising these tools um, just to manage, you know, in in that team and deal with, you know, difficult clients and long hours and all the stuff that we know as lawyers. Um, And I just remember this one day when I was in the staff room and one of the equity partners walked in and asked me what I'd been doing uh on my weekend and I just like nonchalantly said I've been at a meditation retreat and um he just he looked at me like I was gonna hold his hands sing kumbaya like whip out some you know robe some saffron robe and (laughs) I just like at first I was like oh my god I should never have said that like which was so absurd to me because here were these tools that were keeping me so much more cool, calm and collected or so much more capable of managing um, in that law firm and yet it was seen as something so woo-woo, so esoteric and that really did spark my kind of curiosity in how on earth do we make these um, practices more relatable, more palatable, how could I, you know, get to a point where I could sit across um, a table from anyone be it an equity partner, anyone in a suit, anywhere, and be able to actually convince them that these tools are worth 
kind of taking on and that that really um sparked 10 years of training um because i ended up over um in umass um with john kabat-zinn who's the real grandfather of mindfulness he was a molecular biologist and he too had that same pursuit he was like how do i bring this into the the, the hospital and so he you know created definitions around it and started to really have the si- the rigor of the science behind it and to me that was really appealing so yeah, 10 years of training and I'm now affiliated with Brown and have a little bit to do with um, Oxford Centre for Mindfulness as well and, you know, all around the world um, and just really try and keep up with the science so that now I do go into law firms and, um, you know, uh, obviously <coughs> teach these practices. And the funny thing was having Anna just rock up to one of my silent retreat days and I had the same kind of experience as you, I'm like, oh, my God, I was so nervous with her in there all of a sudden I was like, oh, but it's an amazing lawyer that's in my silent retreat. So that was a really, that was my first meeting of Anna. Um, <laughs> and then, yes, I have gone on to um, cultivate a really great friendship and then obviously now um, p- pursuing this wonderful initiative. So, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing your wonderful journey as well. I think it's so nice and how you've both come to come together and we're going to talk a little bit more about your project definitely for sure but Anna coming back to you because um, you've practiced all over the world as you mentioned previously and um, you touched on sort of Shanghai and you know some of our listeners may be contemplating secondments or abroad options what did you learn from working in those different countries and would you recommend it to someone maybe starting out in their legal career? Absolutely absolutely I think that If you're working um, in a global business, you know, the key part of being successful in-house, I think, is knowing the business ultimately. Um, And I think that if you can spend time in the various operations, um, then it's, you know, it's really powerful. But in a, I guess, COVID context, if you can't physically travel, I think it's just really important to then spend time with the people that you're working with who may have different cultural backgrounds or, you know, different rituals. Um, you know, for instance, Middle Eastern colleagues, you know, Saturday and Sunday aren't there, you know, they're not their weekend days, right? So you yeah. think it's understanding all the cultural nuances and overlays to really understand where that person is coming from um, because that will often then help inform how they show up, right? Um So I think, yes, if you can travel, um, absolutely. I know that as a law student, I had a very clear goals list and um, on there it said that I wanted to work interstate, which I did, um, and then I wanted to spend some time overseas. So that sort of starting out from my legal career, it was very clear to me, if I don't do those things, I don't feel like I've kind of um, had the, the legal experience and perhaps success. Uh, that I wanted to and certainly in my last role I was traveling a fair bit and it was really fantastic to be able to spend time um, in you know in headquarters in Paris but also when I traveled personally I would also make sure that if I was in a city where I knew we had an office and if time permitted I would meet up with colleagues on the ground even though it was my personal leave um, because again it's just connecting in and you know seeing where they work um, and, and obviously then enjoying the city or the, or the town or the place to, to really get that, that cultural understanding of how things work, or at least an insight. You can't really get an understanding if you're not living there. But mm-hmm. um, 
Absolutely. I think it rounds you out. And we're living in such a global world um, now. You know, we're, we're hyper-connected in one sense. We're, dis, we're probably more disconnected in another, and we'll talk about that. Um, but I think those experiences push you out of your comfort zone and they teach you a lot about yourself as well. So yep. absolutely highly recommend it. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. So thank you so much for sharing that, Anna. Um, so, Marika, you mentioned earlier that you also went into corporate law, but found that it wasn't the path for you. How did you make that realization? And talk us through a little bit more that that personal change. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think I just almost instinctively knew that if I stuck around and pursued um, my legal career f- for much longer, that I would get very um, connected to the paycheck um, and that then I would be, you know, just uh, it would be much harder to leave, you know, if I got into, you know, a third or fourth year law role at that young age that I would have kind of found myself like going, oh, but it's such a good salary. And so that was a bit for me um, the catalyst to go, you know what, I think I just need to jump ship now and just see what else is out there, you know, what what else could I possibly do? And at that point it wasn't, lit- it wasn't actually um, – you know, mindfulness or starting my own business. It was kind of exploring, um, you know, negotiation or stakeholder liaison or just, you know, doing slightly different um, legal-related roles um, before then literally kind of um, making the choice to start my own business. But, yeah, I think a lot was that I just, I struggled with the the billable, um, you know, the, the billable units, that was a huge thing for me. And my father was going through a massive court litigation with, you know, tw- 10 or 15 um, named parties at the time. And I felt that was just so unethical because to actually resolve the dispute that he was going through would only cost like $2 million. And I watched all of these massive law firms just billing and billing and billing. And in the end, the billables were like, 48 million or or even more and so that to me just ethically I was like oh I don't know whether I'm going to be able to stay here and do this um so yeah that literally was um part of the the thing that made me you know just leave or propel me out yeah no thank you for for sharing that and and sticking with yourself um Marika you know Mm. I also wanted to highlight quite a poignant quote that you've written where you said in the depths of grief, you learned the power of what you had been learning. Mm. And I think that alone is a great endorsement of mindfulness and what you're both teaching at mm. The Mindful Lawyers. But, Marika, before you launched The Mindful Lawyers, you did launch The Cool Calm Collected, mm. where you're clearly passionate about influencing mm. employee health and well-being. So can you tell us a little bit more about your, your business? Well, I think before, like, I think it's critical to say that, yes, in that grief, it was because I did lose my father very, very suddenly. And, um, you know, I lost him to suicide. So it was just such a, um, not a shocking time, but it was such a hard time. But yet, here I was with all of these tools that I'd been, you know, learning for the last 15 years, and I was able to kind of use them to, 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 it wasn't thriving to begin with, let's face it, but there was just this element of like being able to move from post-traumatic stress mm. into post-traumatic growth and 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 a level of psychological hardiness that I was watching other people bereaved by suicide not capable of. And that to me was the thing that just made me go, right, this is has to be a business because 
we need, why don't we learn these tools at school? Why don't we have that capacity for psychological thriving and, and, hardy, and stress hardiness, particularly seeing how much the culture is just becoming more and more focused on that? And so, um, yeah, it just, it, as you can tell, there is a, such a deep passion and it was also the meaning-making um, of, of losing my dad, of actually having a, a business that was just all founded on trying to support and make sure that people have all the resources that they need in order to actually, um, you know, get through mental health issues and get through significant periods of stress. So, yeah, Cool Karma Collective was born in 2011, I think, after, a, you know, um, six months travelling India and then three months in Bali. I did the whole thing, um, you know, and then ended up back in, in Melbourne and, and, and commenced uh, Cool Karma Collective. And yeah, like 10 years on, I work in massive, I have worked in massive um, multinational organizations with top leaders. Um, I now train my own teachers um, and, and um, mentor and, and just absolutely love what I do, to be honest. It's, I live it, breathe it, talk it, we talk it all day. Well, and thank you so much for sharing that. And it's lovely to to speak to business owners that are so passionate about what they do and really love. And, you know, I love the name as well. So uh, thank you for all the work that you you are doing because it's so, so important, even more so in these current times. So, Anna, coming back to, to you, you've got a stellar legal background and you know, we want to try and squeeze as much wisdom out of you from this particular mm. episode. So part of your legal career was working in-house and, and industries like banking and cosmetics. So what experiences did you gain whilst working in-house that you would share with our listeners? Oh, gosh, the list runs so long. I think definitely in-house teaches you to be very commercial. And so what was really interesting when I reflect back, that was probably stultified a little bit in a law firm environment. Um, you know, one of my taglines is efficiency never goes out of fashion. And I remember in a law firm, I'd be like, well, can we just cut to the chase? You know, like, you know, I used to get really frustrated by kind of the process. I'd be like, but we know this is the answer. You know, let's work backwards. Um, and, you know, and I used to get really frustrated by being asked to do research memos when we knew there wasn't an answer, but you sort of had to go through so, like, so much sifting through. <laughs> but it wasn't until kind of a few goes in that you realised, actually, I'm being asked to confirm there's no answer, but that was never communicated clearly. It was almost like, well, this, here's the issue, you go find the answer, assuming that there actually is a positive answer. So it was kind of... Some of those kind of, um, yeah, I guess I guess perennial issues that are experienced in law firms, um, compared to my in-house reality, you know, where, where legal is the minority at the end of the day, you know, it's a small team in a, in a broader business, culturally it's very different, right? Um, and so I think my business skills um, are all the better for it. And now I can't obviously, I can't compare because I haven't been through, you know, I've spent a lot of time in-house, you know, and climbed up the ladder. Um, whereas, you know, I, I left as a fourth-year solicitor, um, you know, on the cusp of sort of senior associateship um, uh, in my law firm days. But I think the commerciality, um, I think just 
the opportunity to work with so many people that aren't lawyers just mm. changes your mindset. It um, fuels growth because you are surrounded by people who don't do what you do and have often, you know, different views and visions to, you know, to to what you may be advising on. And so I think that kind of dynamicism, it's changing so quickly, you know. Um, if I think of four years at L'Oreal versus four years in a law firm, mm. um, the environment didn't change that much in that time. Did, you know, the GFC hit, that was pretty huge. It's a bit like the pandemic, right? But um, the environment didn't change. The people didn't change as much as my in-house um, experience. And I think the other overlay for me, which was a really, which was, a really important one, it was on my list when I was considering in-house roles, was the global factor. So I've yeah. been fortunate to work in two well-known, you know, blue-chip multinationals, and I absolutely loved dealing with people from all around mm. the world. And, you know, when I was at General Motors, I was sitting at APAC headquarters and I was dealing on matters for Uzbekistan, for, you know, parts of Russia, for India, and I just, I loved it because I was like, wow, you know, um, it just really did expand my mindset and my thinking around, you know, mm -hmm. how does this all connect in? How does it work? Um, so they're probably off the top of my head, um, the key things uh, and yeah, just being able to work with a variety of people um, who, uh, you know, who are not lawyers. Yeah, yeah, and I think you give some amazing advice there. And thank you so much, particularly that commerciality. Time for a quick break from the show. Are you a legal aid practitioner in England and Wales, specializing in civil or criminal legal aid matters? If you are, this message is for you. As a legal aid solicitor, you don't have time to waste on legal aid case management software that doesn't work to your needs. That's why Clio has developed a quicker, more accurate and affordable solution for legal aid solicitors in England and Wales. It could save you hours in your month, particularly when it comes to end of month invoicing and claims to the legal aid agency. To see how it all works, visit clio.com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. That's Clio, C-L-I-O.com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. Now back to the show. So, and I want to stick with you because I also know you're a big advocate, as am I, for legal technology. Um, yep. Having published ebooks, playbooks, focusing on legal roles, support and presence. So what inspired you to publish legal content, which I think is amazing, by the way? Thank you, Rob, um, as is yours. <laughs> um, I, what I found is I, as, as I was an early adopter of legal technology here in the Australian market and certainly within my global legal organisation, um, I was, have, you know, it was attracting a lot of attention and so people were sort of reaching out saying, well, what are you doing and how are you doing it? And I was having a lot of one-to-one -one conversations. I would present at the occasional conference and then that would lead to a whole follow-up of like, tell us more, how do we do it? And I really felt this, you know, speaking of mindfulness or perhaps spirituality, I just felt this calling, I need to write a book about it. I need to, you know, this one-to-one, -one, I, I, I want or I see an opportunity to create a call to action to inspire others that legal innovation and change in the legal profession mm. is fantastic because what I was experiencing 
when I was interacting with people is actually people were coming at it from a place of fear. So they were second-guessing me. They were calling out, you know, kind of making some implied digs around, well, how does that leave, you know, how does that leave compliance and how does that leave, you know, are you actually doing your legal job by using legal technology? And so I found that it all was also fear-based. You know, how is this going to affect me as a lawyer? Am I going to lose my job? You know, if you read all the media, it was all fear-mongering basically. You know, tech's going to take over jobs, you know, and that was almost, you know, when I started looking at technology, it's almost been a decade now. People aren't losing their jobs. Lawyers are as busy as ever, right? So I think I also wanted to be a positive light, and 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 shed some practical tips around also, you know, how do you bring this all together? And then obviously I had exposure to, you know, legal operations, which was far more established in the US and, you know, had the privilege to travel to the US and, and kind of connect in with, um, you know, those various organisations. And it's just been an absolute, like I, I'm, you know, I'm just so passionate about it. Um, I love it. I love tech generally. You know, I love the way that tech's going to impact business. And so I guess that's kind of what I've been known for, um, you know, particularly on socials is talking about innovation and and also, you know, I guess being a bit thought deliberately thought-provoking around it um, because I think there's just so many opportunities um, and so much potential for the legal profession. And I also, you know, I want to be part of a profession that's not known to be lagging behind, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So if I can help in any way and inspire others to do things differently, um, that kind of, you know, that 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 fills my cup. And and you definitely are inspiring others. And and let's definitely make sure legal tech is at the table with fintech and you know keep pioneering for for change for good. So and I just want to quickly stick with you um, because we're going to shift very much now focusing on mindfulness because you know as a a former commercial and insolvency litigator, you know, what made you change your career trajectory to focus on mindfulness? So I did litigation for about four and a half years and then I pivoted and became a corporate lawyer. Um, but, you know, what didn't change despite the stigma attached at the time to going in-house is that it wasn't cushy. <laughs> um, you know, I couldn't just sit in an office in-house and and just kind of, you know, sit back and (laughs) chat to people because I didn't have billable units. Um, It still came with its pressures, stresses. They were different, but they were still there. And, you know, to Marika's earlier point, I'm type A, you know, recovering perfectionist, um, you know, really, really caring about wanting to do well and support my clients, you know, to the best of my ability and quickly and efficiently and all those kinds of things, plus managing relationships, managing difficult people, managing, working with some really great people. But, you know, that's the reality as well. There's some tensions there sometimes between lawyers and clients and and just, you know, stresses. At GM, I, you know, I was there when when GM declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. There was a lot of stuff going down, right? That is a really difficult time to be in a global corporation um, and, you know, be privy to information, you know, ahead of time, all those kinds of things. So when you're being in-house, it's kind of like you're responsible for so many problems that aren't yours but they kind of are. 
there's a lot that's, you know, people are relying on you to guard them. So you've got to hold space for them. You've got to tailor your style to each person you're working with. You've got to upwards manage. You've got to downwards manage. You've got to side manage. Um, you know, it, it's actually a big responsibility and, you know, particularly the more senior you get, let's face it, that's what, you know, you, you, you just take on more stress and responsibility. And so all of a sudden, you know, as a GC, if you're responsible for 200-plus problems of the business at any one time, plus your own personal stuff going on, plus everyone's kind of, you know, lawyers can't be emotional, they have to be independent, yeah. they have to be objective, Um Again, it's, you know, plus you've got to be the leader, not just the GC. You know, there's just, it, it, it can be quite complex really to navigate. And so when you're in a high kind of high performing, high stress, you know, things may not be high stress, but you may be taking them on as high stress, right? Mm. And there's that fine line between when is stress motivating and Marika can speak to the science around this, but, you know, where to what point, such a fine line when that stress is motivating versus when it starts being um, detrimental and that just accumulates, accumulates, accumulates. And I think as lawyers, when I reflect back, you know, and I catch myself now, mentally you're so used to just being able to push through, that's the conditioning, push through. Mm. Oh, you're on like hour 16 of the workday. Have another yeah. coffee, push through, you know. Um, you know, let's have a let's have a drink of alcohol, then not like then let's have coffee, then let's somehow try and sleep properly, you know, like it, it's this culture of hard work, get the job done, be available all the time, be accessible all the time, you know, be responsive, <laughs> um, you know, be nice to everybody as well while you're doing it with a smile on your face, you know, because there's that element of customer service because you're an overhead. So, you know, it can, as, as much as I absolutely love it, um, it's very complex to manage, particularly when you don't have the tools to try and help. It may not get rid of it. It just helps cope a bit better. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't help cope at all, right? <laughs> as I said at the start, you know, we're humans. But I think it's this, what we're realising now, because my conditioning was not to focus on mental health or on sleep, or on good nutrition, not the stuff, the great stuff, you know, that, that I think law firms and legal teams are focusing on now, and I think we're sort of at the beginning of that. But it wasn't about that. People were celebrating if you didn't go to sleep for, you know, mm. for two days. It's like, oh, you've done an all-nighter. Like that. That's it was revered. It wasn't, you know, no one had a conversation with you to say, hey, listen, are you looking after yourself? Because you've built, like, you know, plus 20% of your billables or whatever it is, you know, are you okay? Do you want to take a day off? You know, all of those things. Yes, there was food in the kitchen and, you know, that kind of support, but not in terms of are you okay? It was more just like are you okay meant or how are you meant? Are you busy enough? 
Yeah, yeah. And I think you raise so many points that I'm so passionate about there. And you, you talk a lot, one of my mentors always says, particularly about you rising up, you know, new level, new devil. Um, you know, there's always going to be extra pressures, extra stressors, extra challenges. And ultimately, you can't help others if you don't help yourself. You can't pour for an empty cup. So, Marika, I do want to come back to you because this is segueing very nicely. You know, there clearly is. But do you feel there is a significant need for lawyers to focus on mindfulness and if so specifically why well i think we need to kind of shatter the um belief of what what mindfulness is i think a lot of people kind of have this belief that it's just like calm presence it's just this like thing that just is going to calm me down but you know to many of anna's points when i hear what she talks about is you know how to um you know have that open mindset and 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 growth mindset and and the capacity to change our neural pathways and our structures and to mitigate stress so that we don't have a reactive brain but an integrated brain and we're able to use the the parts of our brain that are really critical to innovation and empathy and all of the wonderful things that's actually what mindfulness does. It's not um, just a, a nice relaxing thing. It is literally like our, um, you know, super um, power in upgrading the software of our brains and also um, managing and, and mitigating all of the stress that obviously Anna's talking about, the buildup of stress that we experience as lawyers um, so that we're not getting to the point of burnout, so that we're not getting to the point of such deep fatigue that we actually can't um, stay in the in the profession or we lose, we lose hope or meaning about it. Um, so I think it's just critical for everyone, but particularly lawyers because of the mindsets that we have kind of um, been conditioned to have have. And so a lot of my first maybe 10 years of, of practicing mindfulness was all how do I actually um, uncondition that a little bit so I can see much more broadly and, and, and um, yeah, have, have a different perspective. Not that the other perspective isn't good. It's just that we need to have um, more of that openness. So for me, mindfulness is that. It's not just um, a, a rela relaxation technique. No, and, and absolutely. And, and that leads very nicely on to um, the mindful lawyers. So, Mariah, you know, how did this come about? You, you've touched on it, but how did two amazing people come to meet to collaborate and basically produce uh, a, this wonderful project? Well, I mean, I was so fortunate to work with um, Anna at L'Oreal and, and guide um, some of her team as well as, you know, all of L'Oreal through, um, you know, a pretty tough time last year when we we're in our a long lockdown. So to give them the resources. So we had already known each other for some time, but then to have that opportunity together was wonderful. And then when she kind of went out on her own, there was that real kind of feeling in me of like, oh, this could be a really great uh, pairing because obviously she'd spent so much more time in um, the law firms. And then I'd done such a great body of work in the science and understanding mindfulness that it just felt like a pretty obvious, um, you know, pairing. Um, and then I guess for me, the, 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 the actual lawyer piece and this idea of it not being something over and above, because we all know that lawyers don't need extra stuff, but how do we have these micro practices um, that we can kind of implement into our everyday operating rhythm that don't feel over and above, but just start to become part of the operating rhythm of the entire law firm or the in-house, like however it is. So um, we became quite interested in how can we do that? And, and that's what really led to, 
you know, this idea of the, the, the billable unit or these tiny little bites that would give them 14 different practices that then they'd have this toolkit um, to walk away with and start to play around with, start to experiment with. Um, so that was, you know, just a, a bit of a, um, I don't know, it became something over the, what, lockdown five, lockdown six? I can't even remember, Anna. There's been a lot of lockdowns in, in Australia. A lot of time to talk. <laughs> yeah, no, and thank you. <laughs> Absolutely, and a lot of time for, for reflection as well and mm-hmm. thinking. So, Anna, coming to you, I believe you have two very exciting courses starting in January. So could you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so the... So the boot camp is running again, starting on the 31st of January, 2022. Um, so as Marika described, um, that's the six minutes a day to a more empowered you. That's our tagline. Um, and you can do that at any time. So the course sort of launches at a certain date just because we're trying to create that community and have some clear cohorts. Lawyers like deadlines. They like start dates. So we're, we're feeling into all those things. Um uh, so that starts on the 31st of January and then also we kick off the four-week mastermind, uh, I believe, on the 21st of January. And that really is, so the boot camp is virtu- fully virtual, um, can be done at any time um, uh, the person likes within, within sort of a, the time frame. The mastermind is a bit more intimate um, it's time with us virtually once a week across four weeks and uh, we're kind of covering four topics. Not a lecture style at all, but really we want to create community, as you said at the start, where people can come together and unpack four topics, avoiding burnout, switching off, Hmm. being with uncertainty and change and imposter syndrome. Our experience is, is, is... a lot of legal environments will offer lectures around this, but then you can't discuss it yeah. and you can't share your experience and have a real and open conversation because you might fear about how it's going to be misinterpreted by or perceived by your colleagues in, in kind of a, a work setting. So it's an opportunity for, you know, um, uh a smaller group of people to get together and we'll be running these, you know, across the year as well to, to really deep dive but but connect on a deeper level around some of these important topics which are particularly, well, I mean, they're touching everybody, let's face it, but particularly how they're touching lawyers. Yeah, and I think it's so important and you gave a really clear outline there. Marika, you know, what do you hope for, you know, participants to gain from from the courses? You know, Anna's obviously given a really good overview. You know, is there a real specific aim or something you want to hear from people that have kind of gone through the courses afterwards? Well, I think one of the um, critical objectives for me is is first that felt experience, like experiential kind of learning, um, both with the Billable Boot Camp because there's all these tiny little bite-sized practices, but then with the mastermind, it's just that idea of really we can sit back and we can watch some slides and go, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. You know, we can always think in our mind, but then it's like how are we applying that? What's the applicability here? And so the masterminds is really that opportunity to get, get together and really create some accountable, like, goals that we can then, you know, circle back 
chuck in every week and go, how'd that go? You know, what what did you do there differently? And really allow um, or foster that environment of of trialing things and, and seeing how it works. And yeah, so that. And then on top of that is this idea with the mastermind around and and also with the Billable Bootcamp of starting to have that opportunity to share more authentically because I think we do have this showreel on. We do try and keep it all together. Um, you know, I'm not stressed. So that doesn't affect me or this, this, that and the other. But the reality is I see so many lawyers as my individual clients and I don't think I've come across one yet that isn't experiencing one of those four, uh, if not all of those four. And so to have um, that ability for people to be together and realise that it's not just them, that actually it's a it's a fundamental factor of being a lawyer and, and that can be a very healing thing in itself, that sense of community and sharing and kind of not taking it so personally um, and not needing to hide it or be afraid of it but really kind of coming into the light with it and going, okay, I'm going to really, um, I'm going to work on this imposter syndrome because I don't want to be in it, like I, I don't have to be. So, yeah, to me that's the the, the outcomes that I'd love to see is that, that real um, community, authentic authenticity and that felt sense of um, all of the different tools and techniques. Love, love, love that. That's everything I think is so important, you know, because the stronger you make that community, the more open that community, the more people will feel safe spaces and you will get so much more from that. And yeah, I couldn't agree more that sort of authentically, you know, we talk about personal brand a lot. I always say it's not perfect brand. You know, personal brand is, you know, if you're having a crap day, that is part of your personal brand. Because exactly. as Hannah and yourself said, you're a human. So Mariah, mm. I want to kind of finally, before we, we look to wrap up, for anyone wanting to join the courses, how can they sign up? And for those interested in learning more about the courses, where can they access the information? Well, they just need to go to um, our website, which is www. Oh, who says that these days? Themindfullawyers.com. Uh, Dot a is it just it's just dot com oh my god <laughs> I just got scared there that it's au um, it's just dot com we had a real decision around whether it was <laughs> it's not it's global um, but yeah so they can head to the mindful lawyers and there's all of the information there and um, obviously the links to, um, to to sign up for both um, and there's also they can reach out to us we've got some PDFs particularly for a lot we've had a lot of law firms reach out to actually think about bringing us in-house so um, also to reach out to us um, personally so that we can talk about how we can do those programs for them in-house as well. Definitely so on, on that note then Anna coming to you first if people want to follow or get in touch about anything we've discussed today what's the best way for them to contact you and please feel free to shout out any relevant social media or web links and we'll also share them with this episode for you. Thanks Rob so it's analazinski.com on Instagram, the handle is at Legally Innovative. On LinkedIn, it's my name, Anna Lazinski. On Clubhouse, it's Anna Loz. On Twitter, it's Anna underscore Lazinski. And I think that's all my socials <laughs> for now. On the, my Telegram. On website too. So. Good stuff. And Fully yourself, contactable. <laughs> Fully got there. And for yourself, Morocco, Mine's a little bit more confusing. Out. So it's Cool Karma Collected, even though it's a pun of Cool Karma Collected. So um, www.coolkarma Collected. And then I'm on my Instagram, it's Cool Karma Collected as well. And then on LinkedIn, I'm just Mariah Knight. Um, so that's how you can find me. Wow. Oh. 
Uh, well, I just want to say an absolute massive thank you to both of you, Anna, Marika. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. I know how much this episode is going to help so many people within the legal industry around the globe. So wishing you both lots of continued success with your current projects, future careers and beyond. But from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, over and out. This week's review comes from Beth Zhang. Super useful and easy to listen to. Five stars. Really enjoyed this podcast. Such amazing insights and advice. Beth, thank you so much for your lovely, kind words. From all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, thanks a million. 